Hey, it's Clark. Before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that producers Kim and Joel are on vacation this week. And so we are going back to our old format of you hearing calls instead of Kim and Joel asking the questions that you have posted for us for the show. So as soon as they're back, we'll go back to Kim and Joel being the ones asking questions you post at clark.com slash ask. And I want to address something that came up recently in polling. You know, we've got roughly one in four Americans that are laid off right now, American workers, and most of those American workers overwhelmingly believe that they're going to be rehired back in the job that they were in prior to coronavirus. And that will be true for many of of you who've been laid off, but it's not going to be three quarters of people who've been laid off are going to be hired back to where they were. But even if it's one quarter, that's a massive number of Americans, somewhere around 10 million, that are going to have to find a new place to work maybe a new job, a new career. So I want to tell you that the process of looking for a job, particularly if it's been a while and you've never had to do so during a recession, I want you to start thinking about the things that are really, really important for you in looking for work. Um, First thing I wanted to mention is that in the midst of these historical layoffs, there are still a number of companies that are hiring and hiring potentially in big numbers. Look around at where the hiring is going on and see if any of those fields appeal to you. I want to give an example of the technology field where there's a lot of hiring still going on. Now, people think of the big brand names, Google, Apple, Facebook, that kind of thing, but I want and Microsoft. And I want you to think instead, what about small technology companies you've never heard of? Well, go start reading technology blogs, of which there are hundreds, that write and report on smaller companies and what they're up to that you would never hear of otherwise. And look with them. And as you are thinking through starting a a new career, think about your skills. A lot of times people think about, well, this is what I used to do. So I'm looking for that. Think instead what your experience, your training, your education, what skills that has brought into your life. And know that networking, especially during downtimes in employment, recessionary kind of unemployment levels, networking is the most important thing to you finding a new job. And if you haven't done a resume in forever, remember what I said about skills versus job titles is something that you tailor a resume specifically to an industry that you're thinking of looking for work. It's really easy for you to get emotionally beat up 
by the process we've been through over the last couple of months, worrying about your health, worrying about how you're going to pay bills, dealing with state unemployment offices, and feeling like there's an earthquake under your feet. So please stay positive, be flexible, keep your eyes open. And if you're trying to figure out how to do that job search, we have a new article at Clark.com titled How to Get a Job During a Recession. It covers many of the things I just referred to in better depth and hopefully can help you get that new job. Henry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Henry. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Henry. What's going well, on? I have, the oppor- I have the opportunity to pay a lump sum payment of about $100,000 against my outstanding student loan debt. Currently, my debt is at $270,000 of federal loans. Oh, my goodness. About- what kind of professional are you? A lawyer. Was it worth, this is the question I always ask a professional who has six-figure debt, was it worth the level of debt you had to take on to become a lawyer? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I've only had one person who, was, who had gotten a professional degree who said emphatically it was worth all the six figures of debt. I believe that. I believe that. So, so I have the two hundred seventy thousand dollars in one loan. Yeah, and I have a smaller loan of thirty thousand dollars, and the larger loan has a higher interest rate than the smaller loan. So it's about one point three percent higher. So if I put this whole lump sum of a hundred thousand dollars against the larger loan, it makes financial sense. But I don't know whether there's a credit score advantage to applying some of it to the smaller loan to pay it off completely and then just applying the balance to the larger loan. I know of no significant difference in credit scoring that would occur doing that split payment, doing 30000 to wipe out the thirty and seventy against the two they They're both fixed interest rates, right? Right. And right. the two seventy is at a higher rate, then have the greatest impact you can and put the hundred against the two seventy. Okay, there's not any opportunity to negotiate because it's a lump sum payment to get more bang for the buck, if you will. Nope. No, uh, you know, the only time you have real negotiating with the debt is if it's in delinquency, but that doesn't even help with student loans because student loan collectors have unusual powers that were granted by Congress on the debts and the debts can't be set aside in bankruptcy. Usually when a debt is large and it's gone delinquent, the collection agency will negotiate because what they're worried about is you'll bankrupt out on the debt, which is not a prospect with student loans. So just okay. pay the 100 Know that that 100000 is going to make a massive difference in your life because it's going to wipe out a third of your student loan debt, which is absolutely great. Well, thank you very much. All right, and best to you wiping out that other two-thirds. Absolutely. I will start working on it today. Perfect. Christine is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Christine, hi. hi. I understand you got a tax question for me. Let's see if I'm any good at that. <laughs> well, it's about tax and making sure you can pay it. We uh, pay our taxes quarterly, 
And where my husband works used to keep, they would put a portion of every week's check into a separate savings account for us. And then we would draw on that each quarter to make the tax payments. But they've decided they want to eliminate that bookkeeping at the office. So now I don't blame a- them. Yeah. <laughs> that was very generous of the employer. And I actually, have, well, it's a, not quite an employer because your husband, if you're having to pay quarterly, he's some form of independent contractor, I guess. Yes. Um, yep. So that that is unusual and generous that they were doing it. So they've decided it was nothing but a headache. Exactly. And so now it's my headache. And what I don't like is having uh, his full paycheck going into our, I deposited into our checking account. So it, I always, you know, look, it looks as if we have more money than we do because that money really is, should be segregated out into a separate account. Sure. And I'm trying to decide, should I open a savings account or a money market account? Yeah, open a savings account or money market account with one of the online banks. Okay. And you may be able with the pay coming in to do a split deposit. Uh-huh. where a portion automatically goes into the online savings account and the rest goes into your regular bank account. Okay. And that would be the easiest because then there's never a temptation just as now the money has already been put somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you were to go, the quickest, easiest way to see a list is go to bankrate.com okay. and click on savings rates. Now, they're first going to show you a list of, I guess, who's paying them the most money to be on their list, Mm -hmm. but then you can click a button and it'll show you everybody, including those that are paying the best rates of interest, Okay. and the minimums required to open the savings account. Most of them are uh, $0 minimum to open an account, and you link it to your checking account, and when it's time for you to transfer the money over, it takes two days to transfer it back. To your checking account, and then you can pay those quarterlies. So to link it to my to the checking account, they don't have to be the same bank. They can be two separate banks. You definitely don't want the same bank. You want oh. it to be at a place you can earn a lot more money than yeah. wherever you have your checking account. Yeah. So that's why okay. you look at that list on Bankrate. Okay. See the best deal. Open with one of them. Open the account with one of them. Link it uh, with your account, and you're in great shape. Okay, do. Thank you. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks. Jay joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jay. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. You have a classic dilemma to run by me, and I'm going to just disappoint you so much. There is no one right answer to your question. <laughs> okay. What's the scoop? Um, I bought two, my first two rental properties last year, and and um just uh, looking at options, either keeping those properties, you know, under my name or moving them into uh, maybe an LLC and just wondering if, um, you know, sheltering my assets would be better under LLC or tax ramifications or uh, just. So there's no general- there's no meaningful tax implications, but there are liability shield benefits to having your rental properties in what are called single-issue LLCs, where each is in its own LLC. You'd never want to put multiple rental properties under one LLC umbrella because then you're putting one at risk when there's a liability issue at another. I see. But do you have loans on these properties? I have a loan on one of them and the other one, no loan. So the one with a loan, the lender likely will not permit you 
to move it to an LLC structure. Okay. Depends on the lender. The one that has no loan, you could move to an LLC. But at two properties, you're talking about some paperwork, some expense setting them up, some ongoing potentially uh, filing fees over the years with the LLCs. Until you get to a larger number of rental properties, doing an umbrella insurance policy may be more than adequate as an alternative to doing the LLC route. Okay, and I have one of those in place already. And how many dollars do you have on that umbrella policy? It's one million. One million. If you already own that property free and clear, I assume you may have a personal residence as well? That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, You're probably developing enough asset base that a million dollar umbrella is not enough. Now, the good news is that past the first million, excess liability policies or umbrella policies get steadily cheaper each million you add. It'd be a lot cheaper than setting up the two LLCs. And if you keep acquiring rental properties, the time will come that you definitely will want to go the LLC route with the individual LLCs. And there are lawyers who specialize in doing this kind of work, real estate investor clubs that are in metro areas all over the country, lawyers that specialize in LLC establishment for a single-issue rental property tend to advertise Mm -hmm. on the websites of local real estate investor groups, and that's how you can find them. I see. So that's fantastic. You got two of them. Even more fantastic, one you own free and clear. Continued success to you in the rental property business. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post questions for me at clark.com. Producer Joel then gets to ask the question as if he is you. All right, I'm going to pretend to be Dan for a second here, Clark. And Dan asked the question, I bought a Chromebook and will only use it for banking and credit cards. And now some of my cards exist on Amazon and Walmart to buy things. Should I use the Chrome browser for shopping Amazon and Walmart? Definitely not. And as for doing your credit card stuff on the Chromebook, actually, I would cordon that off and... That would not be a strong recommendation of mine, that the credit cards, because the risk to you is so minuscule if somebody compromises your credit card numbers, I don't necessarily see them as something that should be encompassed on your Chromebook. Your Chromebook, I really like the one that you do for finance to be for banking, credit union, brokerage, mutual fund accounts, and bill pay. And your buying online should not come anywhere near that financial Chromebook. All right, Clark and Joe wrote and he said, recently I went shopping for a new car. Everything was going well until I read the sales contract and I was required to go through arbitration for disputes. When I was told that it was mandatory that I agreed to arbitration, I walked out of the dealership and I didn't purchase the car. Since then, I found that more and more companies are requiring consumers to give up their right to legal address by our courts in favor of arbitration. What recourse do we have other than to do business elsewhere? Well, unfortunately, the trade associations and the automotive industry have come up with uh, their own recommended language for independent dealers. The chains have their own language requiring you to go through arbitration for any dispute with the dealership, even in a case where the dealership may have engaged in illegal activity. And that is absolutely a travesty. The problem is not by changing where you shop. The problem 
is one that the solution resides in the people's house. The Congress needs to change the law that has tilted the balance of power so heavily to big corporate interests against the interests of you and me as consumers, as American citizens. Ari Clark and Mike wrote and he said, what are the websites you've mentioned to buy discounted gift cards? Well, some of them have bitten the dust. We have had to revise our guide on this at Clark.com. The one that is the one that people complain about the least. I can't say the one that people love the most. The one that people complain about the least is giftcardgranny.com. That's giftcardgranny.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And we went through a period of time that there was a new expression across America, and that was how many days or weeks per gallon of gasoline you had in your vehicle people were basically most of us not driving at all i even talked about things you had to do to keep your car from uh, really atrophying on you getting out and driving it uh, methodically every so many days or every week just to make sure you kept your car in good shape well that's becoming quickly a rearview mirror thing because we are back to driving. The data from around the country shows if you look at the searches for driving directions people are doing with Apple Maps and Google Maps, they're way up, not back to where they were before, but way up. Gasoline consumption is rising again. I had to go fill our van this past Saturday, and I had to wait for a pump at the gas station. Now, the last time I filled up, I was the only person, you may have heard me talk about this, 24 pumps at the station I went to weeks ago, I was the only person buying gasoline. This time, I had to wait for a pump. So things have changed, and cities that have traffic, you know, that normally have traffic, are reporting traffic jams again. Now, this is good for the oil industry in the United States that's been flat on its back, may have come a little late for it. And the interesting thing is reading an item in the Los Angeles Times that even where people have been under strict shelter-in-place orders in Southern California, people are getting out and driving, just going who knows where, just because they're going stir-crazy, staying at home. And so you can see in the fact that people are out driving again, that people are just chomping at the bit to get life moving again. And it doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to have a rocket ship kind of economic recovery. There are a number of factors that mean the recovery will be gradual in the United States and not just in the United States and other places. But you can see with the traffic. I mean, who would ever think I'd be happy to wait for a gas pump? Or who would ever be happy to be in a traffic jam again? But I think that's where our heads are right now. 
Roger's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Roger. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. So what's going on today? Yes, Clark. I have a question for you. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, I just set up, a, I would say, a, a residential remodeling company, and I would like to start well, you know. In order to start well, I was wondering what is the cheapest and the most efficient way to uh, do the marketing, you know. My I belief? To say something about uh, Instagram or doing some other stuff that I really would like to hear you more about that. Okay, so nobody's going to care on social media when you say, hey, we're here to do your remodel, contact us, free estimates. That's not how you're going to get somebody on social media. The way you get them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever is give people advice. Okay. So if you put out there, this is Roger and uh, from so-and-so remodeling company, when you're looking at doing XYZ, remember you should do this first. Plan it well and whatever. And you, you can give people advice about things they might do themselves. But at the same time, what you're doing is you're establishing credibility as somebody who cares and is helpful, and they remember you. Okay. And that's true for any small business or startup business using social media, that the social media presence that everybody says you got to have, it's only effective if people are getting something from you without buying your service. I see. So giving that advice shows your knowledge and skill as a, as a remodeling contractor. You can give advice about, hey, if you're doing a remodeling of a porch, remember these things. You're going to redo your kitchen. And you can do a series of things you post on social media. And then what you do is you have links that for more information about the best way to plan this kind of project, yeah. Uh, you know, go to my website and, you know, there's a link for them to click. And that's how people are like, hey, this guy Roger's great. I love this. He's got all this information for me. Yeah. And then before you know it, they're calling you and they're saying, hey, Roger, this project I'm thinking of doing, maybe I want you to do it. Come out and give me an estimate. I see. Yeah, and I would like also to know what is the best way to advertise, you know, because uh, I have been scammed by companies that sell construction leads, you know. Sure. And I would not and pay, I would not, as a remodeling company, I would not pay lead generation services. Yeah. You said they're a scam. I would say they're just not a good buy for you. Yeah. And I would stay away from those. And you build the best any remodeling contractor builds best by word of mouth yeah and that's why i'm saying that if you establish yourself as an expert on social media that's where you'll really get things cooking for you in terms of advertising it's hard to know where best to direct you now because advertising has become so diffused you know you don't know is it really going to be worth it if people are searching yeah. for information about a remodel to their home, is it going to be worthwhile when people are doing a search on Google 
you know, Google knows where they're searching from. Is it worth it for you to be there as one of the ads they see when they're searching for information? And what I what say about doing something like that is you experiment not putting a lot of money into it at first. Yeah. What about Facebook? Do you have any insight about that? Advertising on Facebook? Yeah. You know, I it obviously works for some businesses, but I don't know if it would work for you as a remodeler. With anything like that, don't put too much money in it. Test it. Yeah. But putting okay. too much money at risk on one particular strategy, I'm not a fan of. But you becoming somebody who people look at as their ally and their friend, that's what I love. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. So, Ron, you've got a complicated situation to lay out for me. Yeah, um, it's an unfortunate situation. Um, my sister and her husband are um, in a rough patch in their marriage. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, and uh, the, the context is that when they bought their condo a number of years ago, uh, she liquidated her 401k, about $11,000 to get the loan. Neither were high earners, so that was her, her savings from early 20s. Anyways, they got the loan. They've been living there for a number of years. And the last couple of years has been rough, and they're not quite at the point where they're looking for a, a divorce. They're still trying to work on it. My sister uh, sounds like she's doing a little bit more on the financial stuff. Present situation is that she hasn't been living there for a couple months, and uh, I think about six, but because she doesn't want to wreck her credit, he is basically forcing her to pay half of the mortgage. For a place yeah. she's not even living. Correct. So she's, she's not living there, and she's paying half the mortgage, and he's still living there. He has told her that he will only pay his half of the mortgage if she pulls her fair share on the other portion of the debt, which he's continued to rack up in the last several months of not being there. Yeah. He's financed TVs and PlayStations, other stuff from Best Buy and stuff. So the, the financial responsibility... Jeez, wait, wait, can I stop you for a second? I'm only hearing your side of this. But it sure sounds like your sister's been in an abusive relationship that continues to be abusive even when she's not in the relationship. I would agree. Um, I have to, I'll be getting a lot of her side of the story. And so um, you know, I'm trying to help them, support them through this rough patch. So I also want to support them and, and hopefully help them get through this. Um, in the meantime, I guess my question is, is she paying for a place that she's not living? Right. Uh, so her cash flow is is directed towards that. She doesn't want a record credit. Same time, if things go to the nuclear option and they have to sell the condo and split the money, there's a mechanism for that. Um, but aside from that, and hopefully it doesn't go that route, um, is there a way that she can decouple her financial responsibility from his irresponsibility? Unfortunately, um, on the home, the they're both on the mortgage, correct? Correct. So they're both individually and collectively responsible for that mortgage. So regardless of what happens with their, with their marriage, whether they patch things up, they don't, or they stay in that muddy middle like they seem to be right now, not sure where they're going, they both are fully on the hook. And so she cannot just say, well, I'm not living there, I'm not going to pay 
Because then if he stops paying, then not only has she ruined her credit, but she's still liable for the money. Mm-hmm. I know you're an interested party, so I'm asking you a tough question. Looking at it from the outside, looking in, what do you bet the odds are? Are they likely to be able to make things work, or do you think they're whistling past a failed marriage at this moment? You know, I, I, if there's not like a major like like change of heart or something like that, it's not going to get better. Okay. Um, there has to be some kind of like like major reconciliation. All right. Unless that happens, it's not going to work. All right. So she doesn't make a lot of money. So some things I'm going to say, we got to come up with ways to make it work for her. But she needs some counseling stat. She needs to really examine what's going on, examine where her head and her heart are, and also the way apparently she's not being treated well no longer living in the house and if she can't afford counseling is she a member of any religious congregation or church where there may be counseling available sure and last year they they were paying for counseling he dropped that um she has through one church or another has sought counseling uh, which has been offered for free but he is unwilling to participate so she needs to do it with or without him, she needs to do it because she's got to deal with her own head, her own heart. Mm-hmm. And that will help her towards the answers that come next, which is if she hasn't done so yet, the messiness of this situation, I need for her to go see a divorce attorney, even if that's not where she's going to end up. Okay. She's got to know her financial rights and responsibilities under her state laws, and so that's got to be a necessary visit. Okay. And so I think she's got to work on parallel tracks of the counseling and also the legal, and because really both are on the clearly part of the current situation. And please let your sister know for me that as bleak and difficult as things are right now, Life has a way of working out, even if she does go through a difficult phase right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Faye is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Faye. Hey, Clark. I love your show. Thank you, Faye. Invaluable advice. Thank you. Uh, so recently on a Clark Stings, I don't even like listening to it because I don't want to hear anything negative about you. No, no, <laughs> that's how I, I grow know, as I a know. person. It's great. I know. I know. 
I was just joking. Anyway, so someone called about credit freeze and that there are like 60 other freezes that we could do. Um, and obviously I can't go through 60, but two of them were sounded interesting. One is cell phones and one is bank accounts. How do I go about freezing my bank account increase or whatever and cell phones? Okay, so the bank account thing usually is done through check systems. C-H-E-X systems. Okay. And so with them, uh, they're, they're not used to people doing this, but they, they, of course, have to make it available. And so if you did uh, a search with Google or whatever search engine you use, check systems, credit freeze, you'll okay. then get to the section of their website. And the idea of this is that you prevent others from opening accounts is if they're you with banks, which can be Correct. an enormous hassle. It doesn't yep. happen a huge amount, but if you want to go a little bit out uh, wider to protect yourself beyond the three major credit bureaus, that's a great one to do. Okay. Then there's another one. I don't know which other one you want to talk about. but the cell I'm phone one? Yes, that one. That's the one I was going to talk about because <laughs> there continues to be a problem with criminals impersonating you and going into a cell phone store and or over the phone opening an account as if they're you and then getting that cleaned up can be a real hassle. Yep. And the name of that one, this is just a real mouthful, but you ready? Yep, I am. It's the National Consumer Telecom and Utilities Exchange. Okay. Telecom and Utilities Exchange. And so with them, you've got the same ability to freeze your file. So if somebody does go in and attempts to open a new cell phone plan as if they're you, they're shut down. It also means you're shut down if you forget how you did it. So you got to make sure you keep the same kind of records for it as you right. do for the three major credit bureaus. Got you. Okay. And, awesome. and if anybody ever wants to see, if they want to go full paranoia and they want to do this over and over and over again for every possible place in your life, somebody may try to make your life miserable, um, you can go to a list that Wallet Hub has put together. And so you could search Wallet Hub credit freeze. And it'll show you all these obscure databases that you can freeze people out of. But you want to be OCD, go to Wallet Hub. <laughs> exactly. But the two that you named, if you were going to pick up two extras, the two that you named are great choices. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.